Welcome to the RSP Campus to Canton podcast. I'm Matt Welk, Matt Waldman, and I can't speak anymore. It's this late in the season. That's just kind of <laughs> what goes on. But fortunately, my partner in crime here, Felix Sharp, you know, is the one that we're going to be listening to a lot on this show. And, you know, it's always a pleasure to have you on, Felix. Thanks again for joining us. Should, I, should we start off by saying happy Ramondre Stevenson Day? Both of us fans of Ramondre Stevenson, 19 for 172, one touchdown, uh, two receptions. I mean, hey, pretty big performance for a guy that we were both uh, high on. I'd say he looked great. I was worried about his ankle. So I there are a couple yeah. places where I didn't recommend him. But uh, but I hope people didn't listen to me on that end if they decide to, to roll with him. You know, but how good do you have to be to get Bill Belichick to deploy a back in a bell cow role? Now, I know that Damian Harris is hurt and whatnot. Yeah, but Damian Harris has been healthy in spots the last you know month and a half or so and they've still deployed Demandre Ramondre Stevenson in a bell cow role and they should yeah. he's got an all-purpose skill set you can play him on every single day super tough to tackle I mean they, they should he deserves it he deserves it and uh we were we were right on that guy I, I love I love it you know the last time I remember a guy like that his name was Corey Dillon Corey um, Dillon yeah which was a which was a pretty darn good back, and certainly Ramondre Stevenson. I mean, you know, he comes to mind. We're going to be talking about, you know, this week. Who are some of the players that that are some of the next in terms of at least like storylines and narratives that fit players that we've seen that have had unique ones, and one of them certainly is Ramondre Stevenson. Um, you know, who came from a JUCO, went to Oklahoma, was behind multiple backs at Oklahoma who were, you know pro caliber guys weighed 250 2000 yard yeah. rusher at juco loses some weight finds his way onto the onto the field continues to play really well and then you know last year looked good in preseason and there and you know you could hear dante scarnega well let's not get too excited i mean he wasn't saying it like this but right. he got the tone like let's not get too excited about this guy he's not a world beater yet but obviously they were the running backs coach the running backs coach when they asked what does ramondre stevenson need to work on everything yeah don fears right that was fears yes right? yeah yes yeah, everything speaking of Corey dylan i re this has to be like 1999 somewhere around there being at the Pontiac Silverdome, thinking, you know, do the Lions have a chance this year? Play, playing the Bengals. I think the first kickoff, something happened and the ball was like at the, the uh, Cincinnati one-yard line. Corey Dillon, first carry, first play of the game, 99-yard touchdown. Nope, Lions still the same old Lions. So, uh, just I, had to throw I, I can remember those days. I remember, I remember getting getting too antsy about my one and three fantasy team and deciding that that Corey Dillon guy that I had on my bench who I drafted late because I saw him at UW and liked him thought well he isn't really playing yet and I could maybe trade Corey Dillon for Chris Warren at that time mm. I remember Chris Warren so I traded Corey Dillon for Chris Warren Chris Warren ended up getting hurt midseason and I had to scrape together a lineup to get into the playoffs with Fred Lane out of Lane College, um, who was another guy that I I had Fred Lane and Corey Dillon, and I ended up losing by I ended up losing a chance to to get, to win about fifteen hundred dollars back then because a I traded away Corey Dillon and he went he was going off against the Oilers that week, 
And I had Fred Lane, and Fred Lane needed 120 yards and a touchdown for me to to win an improbable opportunity. And he got the one. He got 120 yards, and he was at the 10 of the Cowboys. And they gave the ball to him four straight. They gave the ball to him five consecutive times. He got one at the 10, got to the one, <laughs> and then they gave him four consecutive times, and he didn't get in. And I lost by basically one yard and i laughed it makes you uh, yeah. it makes you crazy oh, it yeah. makes you crazy yeah um it's funny i you know i know some people are listening to this like i didn't even know that they played fantasy football back then <laughs> i'm learning you know that that too that they played let alone high stakes you winning fifteen hundred dollars mr waldman's playing some uh, heavy buy-ins there back in the day <laughs> we had a good we had a good league. We had a league. We had a really good league in Athens, Georgia, with a bunch of folks from the office um, that, that I worked at, and they're still running that league. I just haven't had the chance to stay to stay in it, but they're great folks, and you know, shout out to those guys. Um, but yeah, I mean, who? Let's talk about some of these next guys. Who to you could be like the next Ramondre Stevenson? Since you brought him up. Yeah, and uh, this is something we do on on uh, my podcast, the Debbie Debate, uh, in the off season, where we say who is the next so and so, and we've asked who's the next Joe Burrow, you know, guy that buried on depth chart, but but is talented, and if he gets a shot somewhere, he could pop. The next uh, Ramondre Stevenson, you know, you mentioned Ramondre's um, uh, his you know journey was in the back, and that's the other thing about that game on Saturday had to feel excellent for him because he's in front of his hometown. Played uh, high school football there in Nevada. Went to JUCO, their 2,000-yard rusher, and then you know was in the depth chart uh, there at, at Nevada and was playing well, but then was suspended his last season for the first six games uh, there at, at Oklahoma before he really dominated down the stretch after he came back. So, you know, I'm thinking of a guy who I wanted to find a guy with a JUCO background, but I couldn't. So I'm just thinking someone who could transfer up or who did transfer up and has NFL potential. Now I'm cheating a little bit right. because um, this one player is 2023 eligible and is I'm pretty sure is declared for the draft. And that's that's Chase Brown. Chase Brown who started his career uh. at Western Michigan University. Western Michigan University. Uh, Kalamazoo stand up where I grew up. My hometown. Um, you know has some explosion. Can take contact around the thighs and waist and still uh, uh, stay on his course. You know a natural pass catcher and no nonsense speed. I mean, I think he's one of the more explosive running backs in this class. I think that they'll, for people who like testing and speed, they'll like him once he comes uh, around and, and tests uh, for the combine. So Chase Brown is one. That's That would be my 2023 Ramondre Stevenson. And I would project him to get drafted around the same area, you know, third, fourth round, somewhere around there. But I'm going to give another one that's more of a projection. Okay. Uh, another one that's more of a projection, and that is Gavin Williams, running back from uh, from Iowa. Iowa's offense this year terrible. Gavin Williams will be a fourth year player in twenty twenty three. Six foot, two hundred and fifteen pounds, um, and we've seen him play. He's had one hundred and sixteen carries, four point one yards per attempt. He's had I think like eight about 18 or 20 receptions during his time but in a been has been in a reserve role sat behind tyler goodson uh last season and then this season he dealt with some injuries or i think that he would have been the starter but i like these players who have you know thick lower halves and they don't really have what people would call you know elite or breakaway speed but they have controlled speed controlled acceleration they 
kind of time their burst through the hole, and then they use that acceleration to um, uh, create good angles for themselves in the in the open field. And I think that Gavin Williams has that. These bigger backs who can kind of shrink the tackling area when anticipating content and then recoil to shed content. I think that Gavin Williams has some of that. Now, this it is a projection, though. Because he hasn't done a whole lot through through um, three years of play. Again, was injured this past year and then on a bad offense. But he has some things that I like. And he's in the transfer portal now. Don't know where he's going to land. But that is a player that I would look out for to maybe he pops next year. Well, I mean, he has a size to be a bell cow for a co- definitely for yeah. a college team. So that's I'm going to give a go with that one. Well, listen, I mean, Terrell Davis, Willie Parker, and Priest Holmes would tell you that um, you know having lots of playing time in the college game um, didn't really work out for them, but the NFL worked out for them. So that, that's certainly that's great. And you know, I have seen Chase Brown. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing more of him. One of the things that I'm hoping to see a little more of is that I really like that he can bounce off hits. I want to see him break more tackles. I want to see whether the sample I've had were, you know, was tackle breaking something that he can do a little bit more of. I certainly think he's an NFL caliber back without a doubt. I think, you know, that would be a weird take probably an oddball take if I, if I didn't think he was, I'm just interested to see how high he's going to be on my list as far as like whether he's a starter caliber guy at a high level or whether he's more of a, a contributor who could start. It's I'm, I'm kind of in that range with him right now, trying to figure out where it, but a smart runner for sure. And I'm, I'm interested in seeing where, where Gavin winds up, um, you know, to learn more about him. So what about who is the next Joe Burrow, the guy who's mired on the back of a depth chart, um, you know, and then goes to a different team and just pops. So before I go to my, you know, my current candidate, when I previously made this call, my candidate was Tyler Van Dyke. This was before the 2021 season. And let's go back in the time machine a little bit. At the time I made that call, Tyler Van Dyke was sitting behind De'Eric King, very dynamic quarterback from uh, Miami, transferred from uh, Dana Holgerson's Houston team to uh, to start for Miami and had some success with them. Um, De'Eric King was going into his senior season. A, a smaller player who didn't really have an NFL future, so he went back uh, after uh, the 2020 season was very successful for him. And I called for – and in addition to, to sitting behind De'Eric King, uh, Miami had recruited Jake Garcia, a previous USC commit. And so it wasn't even really clear that Tyler Van Dyke was the backup. But we're talking about, you know, a, a, a big 220-pound um, uh, guy who had some mobility but kind of moved like Ben Roethlisberger, so you know a lumberer, uh, but was aggressive an aggressive downfield passer for uh, at that time a Rhett Lashley uh, team. Rhett Lashley was the offensive coordinator there, and Rhett Lashley likes to throw the ball long, and so I thought it was a fit. Lo and behold, De'Eric King goes down with an injury, and Tyler Van Dyke really really had an excellent season in 2021. Was considered to be. Uh, an NFL, a potential first-round NFL draft pick before Mario Cristobal and Josh Gaddis showed up in Miami this year to take the wind out of those sails. They also lost Charleston Rambo and uh, Mike Harley, two excellent wide receivers for Miami. And so, you know, well, let's see what Tyler Van Dyke does. 
2023. But that was my call before the, the 2021 season. I think this is an easy call for going forward for 2023. And that's Devin Brown. Devin Brown is a second-year player, uh, true freshman this season. He'll be a second-year player in 2023. They are at Ohio State. Now, uh, folks have seen C.J. Stroud. C.J. Stroud is going to leave this year. The quarterback battle in the spring will be between uh, five-star Kyle McCord from the Philadelphia area. Has played in his high school ball with – Uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. He was Marvin Harrison Jr.'s quarterback in high school. And uh, and Devin Brown, Devin Brown's coming out of Corner Canyon in Utah, uh, the same school that he who shall not be named Zach Wilson uh, went went to went to school. So um, but I've talked a lot about we haven't seen Devin Brown play really at all. We've seen him play in the spring, but we haven't seen him play at the, in the college level, he's just he was the third string quarterback behind Stroud and Kyle McCord. This guy's a fearless downfield passer, um, a gunslinger, and that's I I like quarterbacks like that because I don't think that you can teach a player necessarily to be aggressive. Um, that can get him into trouble, like a player like uh, Matt Corral who would turn the ball the, turn the ball over uh, in college and then kind of controlled it uh, when he got to his his last season there at Ole Miss. Even in high school. Devin Brown there at Corner Canyon loved the sidelines from either hash, opposite hash throws. To me, those throws go again that a, a, uh, a quarterback is confident in their own arm strength because you miss on those throws and it's a touchdown going the other way. If I'm playing DB and you're doing, I'm, I'm taking that, you know, the other way. So he's confident uh, in his arm strength. He loves, you know, the post and he will test tight windows. Again, I mean, he, he will test. He just has an aggressive mentality. I think that he had, you know, one of the stronger arms um, uh, in the cl- in last year's freshman class, and he pairs that with with skill. It's not just you know arm strength for the for the sake of arm strength. He has mobility comparable to Joe Burrow, so that's you know kind of appropriate. He'll slide in the pocket and move and, and will move, um, and so uh, there was a concern that Dylan Royola, if for those Lions fans who remember Dominic Royola, the Dominic Royola, Royola, the, the longtime undersized uh, center and, and former Nebraska Cornhusker, this is his his son. Um, and we thought that he would muck up this picture because he's a five, a very good five-star uh, quarterback in the 2023 freshman class going to Ohio next, not this January, but next Ohio, uh, uh, January. He, uh, D- Dylan Rayola wouldn't be enrolling in school, but he has since decommitted. He has since decommitted, and it looks like he might even go to his dad's alma, alma mater to uh, Nebraska there. There's the potential. But anyway, we're going to go into the spring with Devin Brown and Kyle McCord, and Kyle McCord is the incumbent. I think that it's difficult to beat someone who has, you know, been on campus, knows where this classes are and what the schedule is and has been through an off at least two two different off seasons knows the playbook um so there's a there's a there's a i think that devin brown is the more you know physically gifted player but kyle mccord who was the backup this year is most likely going to be the player that uh coach ryan day trusts and trust is is super important for for coaches uh so i think that that kyle mccord could be the starter and if he has success 
Devin Brown's going to be he's not going to he's not they're not going to run a two quarterback system there. So I think that he could enter the transfer portal and he is a really really talented player. I think he was my you know number two quarterback uh, to Drew Aller to Penn State's Drew Aller for last year's class. And uh, so I th- and and if he does get on the field at Ohio State, I mean it's the perfect offense to show off you know his his skill set but if he doesn't if he doesn't he could transfer somewhere and really you know elevate elevate a team you know someone who's not a, a, afraid to throw the ball downfield that's going to get you know your wide receivers excited you're going to have big plays and people are going to want to play with them so for the next Joe Burrow I'm going to pick Devin Brown but it could very let's say hypothetically that he wins the job well you can easily say the same thing potentially about Kyle McCord who might enter the transfer portal after the spring season if he doesn't get the starting job makes makes total sense so let's let's take this another direction with a quarterback and say who's the next Trevor Lawrence in the sense standpoint of from a storyline the guy who celebrated for what he did in high school and now he's going to come in and within a matter of a year you know or early the next year he's going to come in and he's going to be the man and then people are going to be whether fair or not they are going to be touting him as a generational talent and a certain top five draft pick if not the number one overall pick in the draft who's a guy that might fit that criteria in terms of where it looks and then we know there's a long way to go with these guys um, but is getting that kind of media track that he's being put on because you know we're dealing with narratives at this point i mean certainly we're dealing with ability and things that they can do to a certain extent but you know it, it's still it's still one of those things that you know we we know we got a long way to go but for the for the sake of entertainment and good information what you know mixed together with some of this who's somebody who's on that trevor lawrence track and i want to provide some more context this so when you say celebrating you know trevor lawrence was a top uh six seven recruit of all time yeah like going back to in the recruiting rankings history uh he is the number two rated quarterback recruit of all time so the only names that are ahead of him are jadavian Clowney, and remember so these are the rankings that these players had uh going as recruits so before they were as high school recruits going before they went pro yeah before it, yes, way before they went pro. Jadavian Clowney number is number one all time. Robert Kendici, uh, number two. Rashawn Gary, who's with the Packers now, number three. Vince Young, number four. Ernie Sims, my f- former Detroit Lions linebacker, when uh, when uh, Rod Marinelli was trying to deploy the Tampa two there in Detroit. Uh, uh, R- Ronald Powell, and then Trevor Lawrence. Wow. And then Trevor Lawrence. So, you know, now Justin Fields is two spots behind him but when you're talking about Trevor Lawrence's you know his air that's really rarefied air so the 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 real the answer is there's nobody honesty, <laughs> there is no yeah the yeah. true answer is is nobody okay but if we're going to have a very some very distant runner ups i think it, Caleb Williams has to be up there now Caleb sure. Williams is the number one player in in his class there at USC but he wasn't in the same air as as Trevor Lawrence as a recruit, even being the number the number one player in his class. And and after uh, Caleb Williams, it's the aforementioned Dominic Royal. I think that it's the 
it's Dominic Royola is could reach, you know, that type of status is this guy could potentially be generational. He's going to walk on uh, to wherever he goes to school and be considered a potential number one overall draft pick. So cool. You know, so so let, let's 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 take a little bit of a left here because you brought his name up, and since I just brought up media track kind of stuff, you know, I haven't studied Caleb Williams yet, but what I do mm-hmm. hear. It seems like every other day now for the past two weeks is Caleb Williams is the next Patrick Mahomes. Caleb Williams is, is Patrick Mahomes like Caleb Williams. And, and, you know, I tend to be a little bit um, skeptical whenever I hear that, because I, I heard Jake Locker reminds people of, um, I mean, Drew Locke, excuse me. Drew Locke reminds people of Patrick Mahomes. Drew Locke reminds people of Patrick Mahomes and, and Zach Wilson reminds people of Patrick Mahomes and Jordan Love reminds people of Patrick Mahomes. And, and so, you know, after you hear that for three, four years in a row, you're just like, it's like crying wolf. I don't, I, you know, I just don't believe that stuff until I see it on the, on the tape anyway. But is, is there more to, is there, is at least the first part of the question compared to those other guys, is is it more warranted than those other guys, or is it let's wait and see? Or if it is more warranted, how close is it really to you from what you can say? Well, let me just first say, since this is a, a video medium, because when you said Jake Locker, my face frowned up in a big like, oh, gross, Jake Locker. Remember <laughs> thinking about uh, Jake Locker there with the what with the Titans? Um, yeah. Um, you know, when people compare people to Patrick Mahomes, they'll compare anybody who rolls out to the right and throws a pass downfield off their off one foot, you know, to, to Patrick Mahomes. Um, I I think Caleb Williams' comp is Caleb Williams, to be honest. You know, I, I, he's not a player that I would necessarily comp to to anyone. Um, he is he is an off script Houdini. You know, we've, we're going to see Bryce Young come into the draft this year, and Bryce Young looks for the play to break down to improvise. I think Caleb Williams is like that on steroids a little bit, um, okay. and he's in a he's a, a a bigger body, and so he's a bigger a, a rushing a, a better rushing threat than than Bryce Young. No, a thicker thicker six one, two hundred fifteen, two hundred twenty pounds. Um, but he, I mean, he does have he does have the you know, Patrick Mahomes can do some things with his arm when when things around his feet are not great, you know, and uh, and, C- and Caleb Williams can do that too. Okay. He can do that too. Now, I wish that he would just sometimes just take three steps and throw to the open player, but but he, I mean, I can't. the The ceiling. The ceiling is most definitely there for Caleb Williams, but I don't know that I would necessarily like. There's only really one Patrick Mahomes. I would, and I I can't even think of a player that I honestly that I would comp to Caleb Williams. He's just kind of unique in that way, um, how he does it. So, yes, I would say the ceiling is there, okay. but but you know I'm not just going to compare somebody to Patrick Mahomes because they you know made an off-platform throw down the, down the, down the field. So. Well, you know, I mean, that's why, but that's why, of course, you know, you're, you're doing what you do at Campus to Canton. I mean, because you guys obviously have, 
you know, you're a pro. You're a professional. <laughs> I mean, you do. I mean, you guys have a good, you have a good understanding of how this works um, in terms of like the way these players develop the hype and being able to kind of cut through that. And, you know, I have to imagine that, you know, if you're listening to this and you want the most immersive form of fantasy football today, that's going to actually help you kind of learn to cut through some of this media BS where they compare players on the level that they do, because, you know, it sells jerseys for college football team for college football. Um, and, and for organizations that want to build academic buildings, um, you know, then you could get dynasty fantasy football paired with college fantasy at campus to Canton. You play in a college matchup and an NFL matchup each week. So it means guys like Caleb Williams or Bijan Robinson or CJ Sprout or, you know, Rayola when he comes, walks in, you know, or Devin Brown, if he wins the job, they can help you win your college matchup. Um, for the week and then when those players declare for the NFL draft well they're they're added to your roster so it's as simple as that go to the campus to canton.com get started play both sides play campus to canton yeah just to we, we're in the process of writing up the freshman guide right now so I've been diving into uh, a lot of um, junior and senior high school tape and it's interesting to see you know these players develop from that junior season to the senior season of high school before they even take a, a college stat. But but just to reemphasize something you said about like cutting through the media kind of BS. Well, last year, the recruiting rankings had uh, Emmanuel Henderson as the number one five-star ranked uh, running back going to Alabama. He was in our like second or third tier at running back. Yeah. We're like, this dude, is he does not play and he is not built like a running back at all. And I remember... I remember getting DMs. How can you have an Alabama five-star? First of all, now that we just, like, we get a list of, of players, a spreadsheet, who's going to take who. So I don't even really know, like, how, how players are ranked anymore. I'm just going to watch them. Anyway, get some DMs about this guy. How do you, how can you have Emmanuel Henderson, blah, 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 blah. Well, what position is Emmanuel Henderson playing now at Alabama? Wide receiver. <laughs> he's, not, he's not even in the running back room. Meanwhile... Meanwhile, who'd y'all have a little higher than than? Oh, we Quinshawn Judkins was in Maybe. our like in our second tier. He was very highly ranked. But that's not even not even a credit to mine. Matt Bruning kind of led the charge on that Good on, on that one, and uh, and yeah, we kind of piggybacked on him. But Quinshawn Judkins was was highly ranked for him. We didn't know that. I mean, the backfield in Old Miss was stacked. They had people don't know this name, but Ulysses Bentley is a player who transferred from SMU yeah. to Old Miss to play with. Uh, Lane Kiffin, and we thought that he would be he and Zach Evans would sp split the backfield. But lo, you know, you get to the season, and it's it's Quinshawn Judkins who's taken that thing and really took carries away from Zach Evans, who we all think is going to probably be a top, you know, eight or so uh, dynasty rookie draft pick uh, uh, this year. So um, very good player. So yeah, that's uh, he's and, and Quinshawn Judkins was you know the number eighty eight running back in his class or something like that, but. Uh, so yeah, it's it's fun. It's it's all it's fun, and we like to um, go against the grain and provide our own take on these players. And it, it's fun because you know we're looking at, at them in high school, and we have these takes about them, and we see them evolve. You know, Jameer Gibbs is like this for me. I've been talking about Jameer. We we talked about Jameer Gibbs. We we uh, looked at film of Jameer Gibbs. Yeah, yes, and to now to see him you know, evolve. And now you got Dane Brugler and the draft network and all of these people talking about him and comparing him to Eric Jones, just like I said, 
it, when it, coming out of high school, people are going to compare this guy to the slasher spectrum. So yeah. um, it's fun. It's great to see that growth uh, of a player and to follow their their trajectories. And if you know if anyone has questions about campus Canton leagues or getting started, they can sure go ahead and DM me at Sharp Review on Twitter. Well, I've certainly gotten my share of emails from folks when you were like, "Who wants to play in a campus to Canton league with Matt Wallman?" I'm like, I, I had emailed people. I said I open. I was actually opening it up to one dude, but I'll keep your name in mind in case. We need more folks. So I laughed. I was like, I got I, I was kind of surprised by that. But uh but you know, let's talk about um let's talk about some big recruits who might have better pro, pro careers in college. And I'm kind of curious what you guys thought of Kendall Milton out of Georgia when he was mm-hmm. when he came out because he came out the same year as B. John Robinson out of high school. Mm-hmm. And you know, yeah. he's he split time with Kenny McIntosh for sure. Um, and yeah. I, I thought he's looked okay from what I've seen, um, but he's certainly not like running away with any job at, you know, and Georgia stacked. So there, there's some reason for that, but what did you think of him? And do you think he could be a guy who could have a better pro career than college career? Yes. But again, I want to provide some context. So Georgia's running back room is always that way. It's something that they actually sell to their recruits that, you know, by the time you get to the NFL, you will not be run down because we, you know, you split carries here, here. Um, Nick Chubb split carries with Todd Gurley and maybe Keith, no, not Keith not Marshall. Yeah. There's Todd another. Gurley. Okay. Keith yeah. Yeah. Marshall, Keith Marshall and Sony Michelle. Yeah, and then, De- and then, and then Deandre Swift uh, split carries with Sony Michelle and, there's a, there's always and, three people yeah, there. Keith yeah. Marshall, that's a great pull right there. Washington Red, Washington Commanders. Uh, yeah. uh, wait, what's the team name again? Is it yeah, the Commanders? <laughs> yes, the command, Washington Commanders. Uh, old old draft pick. Um, so uh, we think we're thinking about these players from a fantasy perspective. And so, what boxes does a running back check? Well, in the case of Kendall Milton, you know he's he's a a, a a big between the tackles grinder. When I say big, he's tall. Uh, Kendall Milton is like six two or something like that, and has you know ideal uh, ideal frame as far as weight positions. Probably two hundred and twenty pounds, but doesn't have a whole lot of wiggle. Doesn't have a whole lot of lateral ability. You know, is is a, is a I don't want to say a zero in the passing game, but hasn't shown a lot of development in the passing game. Don't say that publicly because. Kay Milton's dad will find you uh, on Twitter. So um, uh, he will, and he will be, and Kendall Milton's dad is like, is, is like a bodybuilder. So uh, definitely don't mess with him. Um, so we, we liked him, but he, he, you know, his ceiling I think is, is pretty low from a fantasy perspective. He's a guy that's going to get a role with the team, but he, I don't think that he's going to be on the field on third downs, quite frankly. Um, but he will be used in the red zone. He could be a guy, you know, that that has 1,100 yards and 12 touchdowns. Jamal Williams. What okay. Jamal Williams is doing right now for for the Detroit Lions. Without the passing like game, yeah. Yes, yes, without the passing game. So um, that's, uh, that's kind of my take on him. We thought that he was going to take a jump this year with that that depth chart, and, you know, it hadn't really been there. So he is – he's going back to school. So let's see what he does in 2023. But that's kind of my take. I mean – and obvious NFL player, NFL body, NFL, you know, athleticism, but um, I, I don't, I don't, you're not going to have him on the field in two minute drill. You're not going to have him on the field on third down. Um, so I, you know, he's a, 
I think that he's a, a player that kind of telegraphs what it is that if I'm a corner or a safety and I'm trying to look for every single clue that I can, Kendall Milton be on the field tells me a lot about what it is that you're about to do on the play. Gotcha. So I don't, you know, I don't like, I don't necessarily like players like that. You know, I want more versatility than he appears to offer in my opinion. Well then, you know, if he comes back next year, he'll get a chance to, to be able to show that he can grow into that type of thing, you know? And, and so that's a, you know, that's a great assessment with him. Is there any big time recruit who you, who you think, might have a better college career than pro career or better pro career than college career. Cause I mean, I think of Donovan people's Jones obviously was an example of that. I still think Keontae Ingram might have a chance to do that in um, Arizona at some point. If that, if that whole crazy mess in Arizona gets figured out and he still winds up a part of the next regime or the current regime and is in their plans. Is there anybody like that, that, that comes to mind for you? I think the easiest um, position to pull from to answer this kind of question is the tight end position because these guys just aren't involved in the passing game. I mean, yeah. think about a player like, you know, Mike Gusecki. Nobody heard Mike Gusecki's name before, you know, he blew up at the combine and then was, was drafted by the Dolphins. So I think that that's a, an easy position to, to, to account for. Um, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you some names. I'm going to go with two tight ends first. Right. That feels like a, like a boring position to start with, but I do believe. So Theo Johnson, Penn State. Um, he, uh, from Windsor, Canada, right outside of Detroit, um, uh, played predominantly wide receiver, but was, you know, a physical player out there on the outside, is now playing tight end at Penn State. He is the backup to Brennan Strange uh, there at Penn State, but came into college with, and I don't use this word a lot, but elite level athleticism. I mean, just kind of tested through the th through the roof, and that's what you want at that position, at that tight end position. All these guys who are they're, they're just really, really great athletes. So Theo Johnson is is the probably the player that I think this guy's going to be an NFL draft pick in, on day three sometime, and he could have a, a, a really uh, high ceiling. You know, his kind of split time as a, a, a tight end with, with the starter, the, the veteran incumbent, Brandon Strange. The other player is Elijah Arroyo. Uh, Elijah Arroyo, tight end, Miami. Man, I love me some Elijah Arroyo. Could le legitimately, you know, could line up outside or play inside. I think he's like six foot five, you know, has ideal uh, uh, height and weight for the position. Um, he, if 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 you like your 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 tight end to be able to threaten the seam, uh, which I do it, over the middle, you know th it, when you're playing playing you know cover three and you want that safety to have to choose between the the wide receiver covering the wide receiver or the tight end running that seam and you want that tight end to be able to take a hit and and still catch the ball. I think that Elijah Arroyo is that type of player who can threaten you know safeties deep or threaten uh, uh, have linebackers that aren't athletic enough to cover him. Um, he has also been behind uh, another player in Will Mallory there at, at Miami. Will, Bill Ma Will Mallory is going to be an NFL draft pick or find himself on, a, on an NFL roster, I think. So um, that's probably where I would start with, with those two. And, the, you know, the Debbie and C2C community have been waiting for production from those two, and it hasn't come yet. So I think that they could have better NFL careers than, than college career. And really in the case – of of um 
Johnson, I, I think that he is one of these players who's going to be a combine, have an excellent combine and really open some lot, some eyes if and when he gets there. Let's kind of go in an opposite direction with this, this question, kind of turn it inside out with the idea of Dalen Baldwin, the Cleveland Browns wide receiver who got to make his debut this week and had a couple of catches. Um, and Baldwin... As we, a lot of us know, he went to Morgan State originally, then wound up transferring to Jackson State, and then wound up at Michigan during his final season. And, you know, there was some buzz about him late last year entering the draft because he had that NFL type of size. He certainly tracks the ball well. He could, you know, he's a good pass catcher. Um, and he was productive at a lot, you know, at each spot. And the idea that he jumped literally you know he made literally three big jumps throughout his career so one of the things that was interesting to me as an evaluator was watching him at the combine because or at his workouts because his workouts weren't that great he just didn't test out as a top athlete but one of the things that i always had heard and you know russ landy would talk about this is that when you have a kid who went to a smaller program um and at that time, I know that Dion came to Jackson State, but they were still raising money. It's not like the the LSU weight room showed up along it was with the Dion. Early, yeah, he, it he, was the early years at Jackson State. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's like he didn't come in with a trailer and said, "Here, you know." It's like he didn't bring the Rock's um, gym with him, like the Rock brings his gym with him everywhere that he goes, and probably a personal chef and nutritionist and all of that. And and the and the programs that are on that are not on that profile, from what scouts often have said, is that those guys don't those guys who play at those programs don't get the the top end um, support staff because of the money, you know the the money's just the budget's not into that program, so they don't get the best of the best of everything. So as a result, they may have knowledgeable people around them. But they're not going to get the level of of care that's going to allow them to develop their bodies as quickly to become top athletes as often. And so I wonder I, what you think about the theory that Dalen Baldwin might have a better NFL career from the standpoint that he really wasn't anywhere long enough. Um, like he wasn't at Michigan long enough to like become the athlete that he might his ceiling might um, have available in him. Um, cause he just played, you know, he was there, what that summer and then played yeah. immediately and then was gone. So do you think there's a theory there where he could develop into the type of athlete that becomes a starter in the NFL? If he has the rest of the skills to come with it? Well, so Dalen Baldwin was Michigan's what third or fourth leading receiver in his one season at Michigan, we're talking about 17 receptions, but he is a six foot three, 212 pound player who, you know, I don't know what his athletic traits are. I don't know what he like, what he tested at, but he has sweet, mean hands. He does, he does. And I think that a player like that, with that kind of size, he find a role. Now I agree that um, you need time. I mean, we can just compare this to like any workforce job like if you went to a new job and are you going to be like the best 
at that if you go to a new company after two months no you got to learn you know who the people are that you got to talk to you know you got to you don't even know how to use the fax machine there there when you're uh or fax machine i don't know if people still use fax machines but you know you know what I mean. you got to get used to you have to understand to play fast you have to understand where you are what your playbook is and all that kind of thing and i don't think that you can necessarily do that in one season especially when not only do you have to learn all of that stuff but you have to um find your place on the depth chart and potentially unseat some players who already have that knowledge so it's a i think that there is some teeth to that argument now it's impressive that he went to michigan and found himself with a role without really having an offseason or having one offseason to prepare for the fall 2021 season if he started you know, at Michigan and, and you know, knew what he was was there for a couple of years and knew where his classes were and, and what the practice schedule was like and knew the playbook, he probably would have had more success there. He probably would have found himself ahead of some of those guys on that, on that Michigan depth chart, which isn't very impressive, by the way, at least in my opinion, 2021 season. So, no, I think that there's some validity to that. I think that, I think that anyone who went from one company to another, especially – Let's say you're at a, you know, a small startup and you go to a Fortune 500 company, which is the equivalent of going from Jackson State to Michigan. There's going to be an acclimation period. And before uh, Dalen Baldwin went through that acclimation period, he, that season was over and he was going to the NFL draft. So I think it's a valid point. Yeah. And we'll look at it this way. Um, Dalen Baldwin, he came in for his pro day, 6'2", 218, 4.65, 40-yard dash. 7.233 cone, 4.39 shuttle, 16 reps on the bench press, 34.5 inch vertical, 10 foot broad jump. Those aren't bad. 4.65, Rod Smith ran a 4.65, I think, um, in the 40. Um, 7.23, I mean, those numbers don't look good when you're comparing them to like Garrett Wilson, okay? Um, mm -hmm. or, an, or maybe a bigger guy like Allen Robinson, okay? But let's, let's think about this for a minute. Saquon Barkley. When he was tested in high school, before yeah. he went to Penn State, he was yeah. six feet, 185, 190. They had him listed at six feet, 208. Let's, let's say he was six feet, 208 when he was tested for a spark, okay? Because that's what's listed here on ESPN. He ran a 46640, you four, know? Yep. Yeah. 4.520 shuttle, 36.2 vertical. Um, not anything there that you would sit there and not not remotely to what he did at the combine um so you know of course he was 18 as opposed to dalen baldwin being what 21 22 probably at that point but still it's not so much about age as it is um age being in the age range and that age range is 18 to 22 and you could probably argue even to, to 25 in terms of being able to grow and develop as an athlete plus having the environment to be in over a sustained yeah. period of time so barkley can dramatically change his numbers and get quicker at 230 at 230 pounds get quicker faster stronger and the vertical leap tells you a little bit it's interesting that barkley had a 36 vertical leap you know at that point before everything else came together and Baldwin's at 34 and a half, you know, so it's not like 34, you know, certainly, no, he's not Spud Webb, if you know who that was, but, you know, certainly 
34 and a half isn't shabby. You, you know, he maybe we won't expect Dalen Baldwin to become a 4-3 receiver, but could he get it, get that number down to 4-5, four, 4-4? Four, four? Absolutely. I think he could probably be in the mid 4-4s four, or low 4-5s, you know, before it's said and done and his and his three-cone drill and his shuttle could probably all be lower and get into range of he's quick and fast enough to win one-on-one in the NFL, especially with his size. So Yep. I, he's someone I'd keep an eye on for sure, you know. Um, yeah, I yeah. agree. I, when you when you gave me that name, I went and picked him up in a couple of places. So uh, you know, well, there I you can go. have him before this before this drops. Well, we have another one that I would recommend. I've been recommending to FootballGuys.com, and that's um, I don't remember how to pronounce his name correctly. I believe it's Derek, but it may be Derike because it's D A R E K E from Lennar Rhine um, University. He is a wide receiver who is directly behind DK Metcalf of the Seattle Seahawks. He is a fairly tall, long, and big wide receiver who was an engineering major at Lennar Ryan, you know, not, not far from Asheville, North Carolina, beautiful part of the country, and played in an offense where basically he was asked to run the ball a lot as a receiver or thrown screens or occasionally thrown some deep shots. But nowhere near did they run an offense that was remotely like what you would say is ready for the NFL. And, you know, the the Seahawks had drafted some dudes who were like, or had some late round guys who were pretty good. And everyone thought these are sleepers that we should consider. The kid out of Rutgers, I believe, was one of them who was a speedster. Bo Melton, that people were really kind mm-hmm. of like, ooh, he's a guy to watch. Well, Bo Melton didn't make the team. Derike Young made this made the team and was is directly behind DK Metcalf on the depth chart, and they said that he picked up the game unbelievably fast for a rookie, um, and they were impressed with him all spring and summer long, and he's literally a DK Metcalf play away from being on the field as you know he might not perform like DK Metcalf obviously, but the fact that he went to that small school. He's obviously a smart dude. He's very book smart. And obviously, he's also got some athletic smarts to him in terms of being able to translate concepts onto the field to be to be that high up on the depth chart as an undrafted free agent or a seventh round pick. He's one of those, one of those two. And they're excited about him. He's fat. He's an athlete who so if you're a, you know. If you want to pick up a guy who might, you know, sneak his way into an opportunity someday, an injury away, I would also look at this guy. He's been on every single one of my dynasty teams since um, August that it has more than 30 players on it. He's sitting in, he's sitting on my taxi squad or literally just on my bench if I've had the luxury um, to have like one guy who I know I'm not using. I'm currently dropping Chad Kelly in one league and uh, <laughs> I'm picking up Derike. Yeah, so he's yeah. certainly worth he's worth considering. So, um, you know, one other, you know, in terms of other topics, I think one of the things that I would love to just kind of to talk about is maybe a couple more things. One is more football oriented and then, and then maybe we can – well, you know, we'll change that. Let's do this. Let's end on something kind of fun, funny. But before that, I want you to kind of scout for us a few bowl games 
during the holiday season of, you know, where you expect some maybe some high point totals because we know that, you know, real football fans don't really care about whether football's boring or not, code for it, you know, this low scoring. And we certainly know that there are going to be a lot of NFL games this week that are going to be in some, you know, real cold weather for a change. Um, you know, more of that Michigan cold that, that Felix is accustomed to, not the short weather that, that he's <laughs> running around in down in Louisville. So, um, you know, though I did see the Grinch running around Louisville a, a fair bit um, in some photos and thought of you. And then I saw the Grinch in a, in a Santa suit at my grocery store today. So I don't really, I, yeah, that seems to be a trend is to seeing people dress up hmm. as the Grinch. Um, you know, everywhere. You better not know. sneak up on me, or you're gonna make a mistake. Yeah. He, uh, <laughs> those two, so yeah, he kind of he kind of stunned me, but he was with two kids, so I was kind of like, everything's <laughs> okay. all right, you know. Okay. I was okay. I almost threw my pineapple at him, but that was all right, you know. Um, the so yeah, who are some? What are some bowl games where you could think it'd be fun for people who aren't even as into football as like our audience? Now, this is it's it's not an easy question because. You got to understand that by the time bowl season rolls around, we have one players who have entered the transfer portal, players who have declared for the NFL draft, play, you know, pe people move in all kinds of places. So the te these teams are not what they were during the season, and it can be somewhat of a projection as to how the on what the on field product code code is don't write felix if your uncle al gets ticked off that you recommended a game of his and it didn't work out okay don't write yes, felix yes. you can write me because so, i want to um, be entertained okay so i am i am thinking about you know you know players that i'm pretty sure are actually going to play uh somebody that we've talked about I think at least on I think on air I think we've talked about this player on air Austin Reed yeah. uh, at at Western Kentucky now Bay Zappi you know quarterback with the New England Patriots who's shown flashes uh, here earlier in the season he came from an FCS school Houston Baptist and then before his senior year that entire team basically migrated to Western Kentucky and let's say hey can we play this fast spread system that Eric Morris uh, was, uh, I'm sorry, that's, that's not, that's not, Zach Kitley, excuse me. Yeah. Zach Kitley was running there uh, at Houston Baptist. Can we do that at Western Kentucky? Well, the answer was yes. I mean, uh, uh, Bailey Zappi broke all of Joe Burrow's records from that 2019 LSU team. Uh, Austin Reed is now at the helm of that offense at Western Kentucky. And they're still, you know, running the same system, even though that, even though Zach Kitley has moved on to uh, Texas Tech. Um, that is on December nineteenth, the RNL Carriers Bowl. Western Kentucky takes on South Alabama. So I would expect, you know, for a lower ranked bowl game or bowl game off the off the beaten path, I would be paying attention to that one. And some, you know, Austin Reed might be an NFL player eventually he, i mean he's, he he's, let me tell you something russ landy watched him and was excited enough to recommend him to me after our show and i watched him and he's a he's a fun player you picked a good one because he's a hard thrower um he, I, I do wonder if he grunts like steffi graf when she was serving way back in the day because the way he throws he looks like he puts he puts his ancestors into his throws in terms of the way that he delivers <laughs> the ball um you know everything goes into it you're catching everything he's got and everyone who came before him but uh he's a 
he's a fun player. I'll put it to you that. And he's not afraid to make any throw. So it does come out. Also dual threat. He can, he can, he can run. He's a better runner than Bailey Zappi was. Yeah. Now West Kentucky has had, I think two wide receivers declare for the, I think Malachi Corley and uh, another starting wide receiver have, have declared for the NFL draft. So if just consider that if you're watching Austin Reed, he's going to be playing with some receivers who are getting significant playing time for the first time uh, this year. He'll so launch December, that's mask. actually, it'll be okay. Yeah. yeah. There's a, that's Wednesday. So t- turn on the game, uh, December 19th. The other one is the uh, holiday bowl, December 28th, Oregon in North Carolina. Uh, Drake may the quarterback for uh, North Carolina. Many consider him to be a potential number one overall draft pick right up there with uh, Caleb Williams um, uh, in, for the, for 2024, you know, Drake May, uh, he's there. Well, Phil Longo was the offensive coordinator there. Um, Phil Longo has had Elijah Moore and DK Metcalf and AJ Brown and some other players that uh, uh, that I'm not thinking of off the top of my head. But a, a, another aggressive downfield thrower who's not afraid to let it go has some mobility, has some good rushing ability, um, a fun, exciting player to watch, and. And Oregon's offense, after they got curb stomped by Georgia to start the season, has been explosive well Bo as well. Nicks. So I would watch. Yes, yes, Bo Nix. Bo Nix and Troy Franklin is number one wide receiver there out of California. I would watch them. Now, um, yeah, so I, now North Carolina is going to lose. You know, Josh Downs isn't going to play in this game. He, he's, you know, the. Uh, I think he's going to be a first or second round NFL draft pick slot wide receiver there. Uh, so we get to see what North Carolina will look like in 2023. But this should be a fun, fun game uh, between Oregon and, and North Carolina. They should be throwing the ball all over the place. I just don't know. Uh, North Carolina faded down the stretch. And so can we see them rebound in their bowl game against Oregon when they've got, you know, two, three weeks to to uh, have practices with with whoever's going to be on the on the field for the first time uh, for a significant portion you know of the, of the games this season. Let's see. But Drake May, you know, is worth the price of admission. And then one more. That's December 28th and then December 31st. Now, of course, you got to watch all the playoff games and the New Year's six bowl games. But Alabama and Kansas and Kansas State. Uh, Bryce Young and Jameer Gibbs are playing in this game. So let's watch, let's watch, you know, a projected uh, number one overall uh, draft pick. And then Kansas State, Deuce Vaughn, I don't know if he's going to declare for the NFL draft yet, but one of the more dynamic running backs in college football can definitely catch the ball, can definitely run out of the backfield. Alabama's defense hasn't been what it had been in previous seasons. We saw them give up a lot of points to uh, Tennessee. Uh, this year. So um, high scoring game players are going to be, you know, their names are going to be called early on uh, for the NFL draft play on Sundays, uh, Alabama and, and, and Kansas state. Those are my three recommendations. RNL carriers bowl, December 19th holiday bowl, December 28th and sugar bowl on December 31st. Love it. Love it. Those are great. Those are great calls. I'm just curious. Do you, uh, what do you make of Bryce young and Jameer Gibbs playing in this game? when they have pretty good draft prospects. I mean, to me, my first thought is, do they make a deal with the devil, you know, here? I don't know. It's, you just don't see that anymore. 
yeah. where p- players with that kind of draft capital, you know, actually playing in their games. And I'm almost wondering, like, are we going to get closer to the date and they actually pull out? Because they got, you know, some players who could use some time developing behind behind them too. those two. Jameer Gibbs hasn't been on this national stage like this in his time at Georgia Tech, at least in the bowl game. So I can kind of see why he would almost want to to play in this in this in this game because he hadn't he hadn't been here before. Bryce Young is, you know, he's played in national championships. So what's a December 31st bowl to him? Um I just listen, I've seen, you know, Jalen Smith, I've seen um uh Jay Butt, I've seen Marcus Lattimore all have, you know, injuries that really, really changed their trajectory. And I I, I would hate to see that uh for two of my favorite players. I mean Again, Gibbs is a player that I've been following since his high school there there in Georgia. Um, so I, I like it, I, but you know, Lord, please let's say a player yeah. keep keep them healthy or coaches pr- pr- protect them from themselves. You know, have them get a drive, and we know that these bowl games are glorified exposition exposition games. You know, get your backup, get your backup quarterback, get Jalen Milrow, get Ty Simpson some reps, get Jace McClellan. Another player who could have a, a better um, NFL career than college career, Jason yeah. Clellan. Prove that you uh, the, show the, that you that you care about yes. these players more than you care about yourself. You, you know, like really put your money yeah. where your mouth is. Uh, that's what I yeah. would like to see. I agree with you. Yeah, and maybe interject a little more, but, <laughs> but that's all right. Yeah. You know? I, no, protect I, them from themselves. Protect them from themselves. Yes, absolutely. I mean, look at Hernan Hooker. I mean, certainly. Vernon yeah. Hooker may not have been a, you know, first day or second day pick. He probably was a third day pick at best um, if after watching him. But it's unfortunate. To, I mean, he can throw a deep ball. There's some things to his game that I could see how he has a chance to develop to a. It, listen, if Joshua Dobbs is on is on an NFL team, Vernon Hooker can be on an NFL team and be a contributor as a quarterback. I because I think he's better than Josh Dobbs. Um you know or or on that level he could be there. Um so you know it's unfortunate to see that happen because that does sink his draft prospects to somewhat. It may very well be, you know, and after such a terrific season that he had, um you know to get into that uh to kind of get into the conversation all year, you know, at the level that he did. So, you know, I'm with you on that. So um so listen you know this was this was always a lot of fun and um for those of you who got a chance to to check this out you know there will be a couple days left for the RSP um early bird discount you can get it 1995 at mountwaldman.com if you've never gotten the rookie scouting portfolio been on the fence it is by far the best thing that I do is this pre-draft, post-draft work in this space. Um, I take you through the really the how and the why behind why I rate the players that I do. I go to really great lengths to to try and show you what it is from a football standpoint that makes these players good, what makes them where they can improve, where they have flaws, and and what they need, you know, and where you know, where some of these flaws may be difficult. And I put it all through both a football and a fantasy lens. Um, you can find it at mattwaldman.com. I've been doing this for 
going now 18 years. This is my 18th year with the RSP. You get a pre-draft and post-draft guide. The first pre-draft guide comes out April 1st. Um, and that is no joke. It comes out every April 1st since 2006. And then a week after the NFL draft, I send you a post-draft update that has cheat sheets along with an ADP versus my ranking kind of sweet spot so that when I recommend picks it, you know, that I always joke the new customers and the first stage of new customerness for the RSP is to say that I'm a hack and I'm crazy um, because I do things like Patrick Mahomes should be taken above Mitchell Trubisky and Deshaun Watson um, or you know anybody you guys like that or Nick. Or you Chubb wouldn't, you been, wouldn't draft you wouldn't draft Zach Wilson in the first three rounds. Yeah, I wouldn't draft Zach Wilson in the first three rounds. Or that, or Nick Chubb was slightly better than Saquon Barkley, as good as Saquon Barkley was. You know, that's you. You know, I've literally had Twitter people who, when someone calls me out, somebody on Twitter goes, "You don't know who you, you don't know what's going on yet." And and I joke now. Well, congratulations, you're your first stage of getting the RSP because usually the customers who are my lifetime customers, some of them start off telling me I'm crazy, and then by by two three years later, they're usually like okay you know i get it um so you know obviously it doesn't always happen but um and i certainly have my share of guys that i miss but you'll know why you'll see why they're totally my takes with it and you'll have the the successes you have carry a fair bit of weight whether it's chris olave justin jefferson aj brown cooper cup chubb you know isaiah pacheco late round guys you know quarterbacks you, you know you know, there's certainly lots of guys you could talk about with, you know, Mahomes being one of them, Lamar Jackson. You know, when people are saying Lamar Jackson was a wide receiver, I was telling people they were crazy. So, you know, there were a lot of us telling people that they were crazy. But that was, you know, that was a, those were guys that certainly fit into that realm. So, yeah, you can go to mountwaldman.com, order it right away. If you want to wait because you, you are a subscriber and you're like, you don't charge enough, then listen. You can get it for twenty one ninety five um, after tw December twenty second, um, and I'll thank you for waiting. You know that's always nice too. Um, so you know appreciate it, and we're you know we're honored that we get to do this type of show and that you guys enjoy what we do. And you know I'm appreciative of Felix and the contributions that he that the huge contributions that he's made to this show. And I wish you guys, you know, the happiest of holidays and a happy new year. And we might be on before that. We'll see. I, you know, we haven't talked about it just yet, but if we are, then you'll see us in a couple of weeks. If not, then we'll see a little longer than that. It won't be too long. Take care.